0: All right, well, we're excited to continue our teaching series. This is week five of our series entitled Suit Up, where we're studying the armor of God, and it's just been such a fantastic series. So many of you have emailed in, uh, called in, and just shared just how this series is making such a really great difference in your lives. So thank you for doing that. Uh, We continue to hear great reports about how amazing God's Word is and the difference that it makes in our lives. Come on, how many know that God's Word's amazing? Say yes, right? Come on, turn to the person next to you right now and tell them God's Word's amazing. Just do that. Just do it. Now turn to the person on the other side that you didn't want to talk to. Go ahead, tell them it's for you. It's for you. Go ahead. It is. It's it's so, so amazing. So far we have taught on the the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Two weeks ago we talked about the amazing gift of the shoes of peace. Last week Pastor Rob taught a great message on the shield of faith, and uh, just if you missed that, you need to see that message that Pastor Rob taught, shield of faith, and just was so, so encouraging and challenging. And so today we get to look at this part of the armor of God called the helmet of salvation. And uh, we're going to jump in, and we've been studying uh, Ephesians, excuse me, chapter 6. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, the Apostle Paul also wrote the book of 2 Timothy. And uh, the Apostle Paul, we've been studying his writings for a while in the New Testament and this series again in Ephesians. And there's so many incredible things that that he has to share with us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that today, I mean this, I believe that today God's going to speak something really clear, specific, encouraging, and challenging to everybody that's here. And so you're not here by accident, everybody that's watching by video, everybody that's listening, God has something very specific and really, I think, incredible for us. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, the Apostle Paul is talking to a young leader. We don't know his age, but we just know Timothy was referred to at this point of his life as a young leader. And the Apostle Paul says to him in verse 1, he says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. The, the Living Bible uses the phrase that in the last days it will be really tough to be a Christian. There will be times when it's really tough to be a Christian. And, and I don't know about you, but I love the honesty of Scripture. I love the honesty of the Bible because the Bible talks about healing and miracles and love and grace and forgiveness and relationship and all that is such a great part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But also it shares honestly with us that as Christ followers, as we live for God, desire to live our lives for Christ, there's going to be seasons, moments, Times of difficulty, times of challenge, times when we need God's grace and mercy, times where we feel kind of a fight going on, and that's this whole issue of the armor of God. And the reason we need the armor of God is because there are those seasons. If you might remember, if you were here last week, as Pastor Rob taught on the Shield of Faith, he talked about that, that... purpose that it quenches or stops the fiery darts that the enemy throws at us and we can keep advancing forward. Well, the reason we need the shield, remember Pastor Rob taught us, is because we are in that battle where those things periodically get thrown at us and we kind of face those difficult times. So it's just really, really encouraging to know that God has the armor of God for each and every one of us to take on and put on so as we kind of begin this teaching um, I want to uh, kind of paint this picture for you a little bit so let me ask you this question um, how many in the room uh, today this weekend you have um, you grew up playing sports of some kind or in band or drill team or orchestra but you grew up uh, at least a few different years playing sports at some level can I see your hands Wow, look around the room. That's almost everybody. So most of us can identify with this are, or are doing it right now or have children that are doing it right now. Um, I grew up in Edina as a youngster. Then we moved to Prior Lake when I was a teenager. And uh, I really, in my younger years, elementary years, I, I loved, even in my junior high and high school years, I loved to play two, two sports, basketball and football. And those were just two really important sports, and, and I loved them, and they were just something that I was passionate to get to practice and be on every team I could be on and stuff like that. And I remember specifically in preparing for this message in, in grades 4, 5, and 6, so I was 10, 11, and 12, which was I discovered was kind of the epitome of my athletic career, right? Come on, some of you are just like me. That's it. Again, our memories kind of twist things on us, but that's when I was probably at my best was grades 4, 5, and six. But uh, uh, when I was in, in fourth grade, I remember I had a football coach. and I was playing football, I played quarterback at the time, and it was just a youngster, 10 years old, turning 11. And, um, and I had the football coach there in Edina, and this football coach's reputation was that he was a winner. He was a winner. And, and again, if you're in a lot of kids' sports, you know even coaches have a reputation. This gentleman was known to be a winner. His teams won games, and the kids learned a lot and stuff like that. He was just a winner. Now, I discovered once I was on his team, he was also really mean and really tough. I don't know if you've had a coach like that before, but he was really mean and really tough. That wasn't on his resume when we signed up. But that, that's who he was. And I remember uh, when we were in this scrimmage, we were just partway into the, se- into the season, and I was still learning the offense and learning the, you know, the probably half dozen plays we ran and stuff like that, trying to figure everything out. And it was during the scrimmage, and believe it or not, I made a mistake. I know, that's hard to believe as a quarterback, as a 10-year-old. But I made a mistake. And the coach, I remember this so vividly because maybe I need counseling, I don't know. But I was 10 years old. And I made a mistake, and I sent the running back in the wrong direction. And the play got all broken up, and and the coach yelled across the field for everybody to hear. My last name is Poli. He says, "Poli, get your head in the game. What are you doing? Get over here!" I was so embarrassed. I mean, I'm, I'm ten years old. Some of you are like crying for me right now, aren't you? But it, I, I was just it, I was traumatized that this guy called me out and just reamed me out in front of everybody. And it was, it was challenging moments. I really played in fear the rest of that season. The next year, literally the next year, uh, it came time, went off for football again and, and played quarterback and had a coach I'd never had before, a different coach. And uh, this coach also was known to be a winner. He also had a reputation that he was a winner. And uh, believe it or not, I made another mistake my next year. Uh, As often happens, and it was a scrimmage similar to the year before. And again, I can remember so many details about this day. And we're in the scrimmage, and and I I miscued on the play and and ran the offense wrong, and the play broke apart. And my coach from the sideline called out to me and said, Darren, I mean, it's a whole lot better. It's a whole lot better when they use your first name, isn't it? It is. It's like when your mom doesn't call you your full name with the middle name, right? It's a whole lot better. Whenever my mom would say, Darren Francis Pauly, I knew I was in trouble. Yeah, my middle name's Francis, okay? I knew I was in trouble. I won't tell you what Pastor Rob's is because it's even funnier. But anyways, um, he says, Darren, come over here a second. And here's, here's literally what happened. I walked over the sideline and my coach got down on one knee where nobody else could hear him. And he said to me, hey, Darren, let me explain to you how this play goes. He talked to me about it. Finished up, and he says, do you have any questions? Are you good? Are we clear? Just me and him, private, nobody else could hear us. I said, yeah, I got it, coach. Yes, sir. So we stood up, and he always finished his little pep talk with me. He'd say, now go do it with excellence. He just sent me right back into the game. He said, now go do it with excellence. And I I share that with you because the more we study the Apostle Paul and his writings in the New Testament, I think he would have made an amazing coach. I think he would have been a great coach. He had been through the ringer. We talked about that before. He'd been in prison, been in jail. He had, he had achieved, succeeded, had high levels of achievement in his life, was a Pharisee of Pharisees, knew the Greek and the Hebrew and all this kind of stuff, and he had had highs and lows, and he had been through it, and, and he knew how to win. And he's got all, this, all these different instructions for us in Scripture that are strong, that are clear, that, are, that, that, that really help us. And yet, he, his, you can almost tell that he's pulling for us to be winners. He's pulling for us to be everything God wants us to be, like a good coach would do. And he's not trying to embarrass anybody, but he's pulling for us. So when we look at the armor of God today and the helmet of salvation Uh, We're going to hear kind of again from the Apostle Paul, and we're going to just kind of receive it as just a great coach of saying, Hey, 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 everybody, listen up. I got some really incredible things to share with you. Now go do it with excellence. So, Ephesians chapter 6. If you're ready, Sam, ready. Here we go. Verse 10 Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Anything designed to protect our heads is very significant. It's very significant. It's about protection. It's about the the significance of our minds our heads. And we've been studying in this whole series, The Armor of God, because Paul used the analogy of this armament that Roman soldiers would take on onto their being so that they could succeed in battle. And he talked about the challenge that we were going to face as Christians. And he said, here's the armor that you take on in your life so that you can have an incredible life for God and you can walk through and stand and resist the challenging things that come everybody's way, everybody faces those moments. And so now he says, take on the helmet of salvation. Here's, here's what we know about the, the helmet of salvation. Helmets in those days that the Roman so- soldiers had were one of two kinds. The first kind, and it, it, uh, it was an unlikely type, didn't not many used this, was a leather helmet. It was made of a leather, very thick leather material that was very weathered, very durable, and protected the head. Now, that wasn't the one that most Bible scholars believe that Paul was talking about. The second and the most common kind of helmet that Roman soldiers wore was made out of metal. The helmet weighed somewhere between 35, 40, and 60 pounds. And it sat on the Roman soldiers' heads, and uh, it was designed to protect. It was very heavy. Inside the helmet was sponges on the ceiling, the top of the helmet, so that it would, res- it would reduce a little bit of the stress that the soldiers felt on their head and the neck. So if you've ever seen a football helmet, even they use spongy kind of material as well to this day. And it's just so cool. Thousands and thousands of years ago, similar, similar material was, was used. Now, the helmet was designed for a number of different things, but something very specific, which is really, again, God's Word is so amazing when you study it. Uh, it's really cool to discover that um, the soldiers on the opposing side, there was, a, there was an instrument of war uh, called a broadsword. It's called a broadsword. I'd never heard about a broadsword. It's different than a, a sword you would spar with or, or, or fight with. It's not a spear. And a broadsword was an instrument of war that was three to four feet long. And it it, it was basically about the length of a of a baseball bat and shape of one, except it was thicker at the handle and it was much thicker at the end. And the the, the primary intention of the broadsword was that it was designed, and this is, this is a little gory, but it was designed to crush the skull of the opponent that you would swing it at. And the only instrument, the only armament that would protect a soldier's skull from being crushed, the only thing that could resist this instrument that was used for a lot of years called the broadsword, was this metal helmet of salvation, and this metal helmet of salvation could withstand that blow and, and what, was, what, was, what would take place there. And it's just amazing that the Apostle Paul says, take on the helmet of salvation. Now, so that's the helmet. Salvation comes from the Greek word so- soterius. soterius That's the Greek word for salvation. The Greek word soterius simply means this. It means to be re- rescued from eternal danger and brought into a place of safety and security. That's what soterius means in the simplified Greek. It means to be rescued from a place of eternal danger and brought into a place of safety and security. So the Apostle Paul tells them, tells take on the helmet, this incredible metal object to protect the head of salvation. Now watch this, church. Um, the Apostle Paul is talking to primarily a group of committed Christians. Okay, It would be like he's speaking to us today. He's speaking to a lot of people that have fully committed their lives to God, that have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, many that have experienced salvation. So he's saying to this big group that has mostly experienced salvation, he's saying, for every one of you that's mostly experienced salvation, take on the helmet of salvation. And some might think, "Well, well, didn't they already have that? Or why was he teaching them that? And what was the purpose of that? So the goal is, My goal is today is I'm going to share some takeaways, some action steps with you where I feel we can get this right. I feel like we can get the helmet of salvation right in a way that just would honor God, honor Scripture, and and it will just be really exciting. So in a few moments, I'll encourage you to take a few notes. I'll share a few takeaways with you. But what we're going to do before that is we're just going to share a testimony of somebody that's part of our church whose life was changed, um, who experienced salvation through God's amazing love. So let's watch this message together.
1: I'm Steve Brielmeyer, I am a Doctor of Physical Therapy at the VA Medical Center in Minneapolis. My specialty there is working with amputees. Um, One of the joys of my life is being able to have someone who feels that their life is over and being able to show them that there's more to it. And then to have them walk out of the hospital, it's a very tangible reward, I love it. eventually got to a point in my life where I felt like God really wasn't present there and when I went to school into my medical profession and started studying more and and taking more of the sciences I began to feel that science proved that there really isn't a God out there that things came about by coincidence and chance I eventually felt that really I was probably too smart to believe in God that uh, i could easily explain away his existence many years later i well i met a, a person who had a very strong christian faith and and this person became a very important part of my life and a person whose opinion i valued greatly and eventually my friend asked me to go to church and and I said yes because I was I was searching at this point and and I wanted to know what they had and so we went to River Valley I remember a sense of the sudden approachability of God that I hadn't felt in my upbringing. Afterwards on after church and the ride home we discussed what had been said and and the things that had come up and, and my ideas and I found this desire to know more. And one weekend we came back, my friend and I came back from an ice fishing trip up north, and we were driving down through the north country, and as so often happens in the long trips, I ended up being the only one awake, which was good since I was driving. And I felt compelled to ask God to prove that He wanted me. And I thought about a time on another trip through rural Minnesota when I had seen a wolf on the side of the road and it just popped into my head. And so I asked God to show me a wild dog. And then over the next several hours, driving down through the woods of Minnesota, I didn't see anything. I saw a couple of bald eagles and I told God those didn't count. And eventually got home. And when I got home, nothing had happened. I was disappointed. I felt that God was telling me he really didn't want me. And, and so I thought, well, that's it, fine. I've got my answer. I can pull back now. And then I left to run an errand. As I pulled out of my suburban neighborhood and turned up the road, A coyote passed in front of my truck, and I knew that that was it, that that was what I had been asking for. And God had waited until I was alone to give it to me. It was right here. That's where I saw it. Eventually, it, it came to the point where I was in the car again with my friend. We were talking about a friend of ours whose daughter was ill. And my friend said that she was going to pray for this little girl. And I said, I will too. And my friend said to me, why? I said, well, because I want to do something to help. She said, well, your prayers don't mean anything. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. How how could they not mean anything? She said, well, you don't believe. And I had never thought of that. And and so then my friend asked me the question, then why do you want to pray? And I said, because I feel something when I do it. I feel some power. I feel as if I'm contributing. She said, why is that? And it was then that I realized it was because I believe. And that changed how everything in the world looked to me. And then Easter came. And Pastor Rob asked if anyone would like to raise their hand on this day. And I did. And I walked across that bridge. And since that time, I have found joy In family, I have found joy. In creation, I have found peace that I didn't know existed. It was what I've been looking for.
0: Wow, isn't that cool? (laughs) So in our uh, remaining minutes together, um, which is that backdrop of that incredible story of God's salvation. Let me, uh, let me share with you a few takeaways, a few action steps of ways that we can take on, put on the helmet of salvation in our own lives. So the first thing I would encourage all of us to do uh, is embrace the power of salvation. Embrace. Everybody say the word embrace. embrace. It's so good. Embrace the power of salvation. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Isn't that good? Everyone. And when I mean about embrace the power of salvation, it's like we just saw in that video that, that, that there. you know, I don't know about you, but for me, I have seen so many lives completely turned around by God. I have. I have seen marriages completely restored I've seen people experience miraculous healings. I've seen addicts delivered. I've seen young people become on fire for God and reach their friends. I've seen so many people that were without hope, had their hope restored, and their lives were transformed by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know what happened in my own life as well, and I want you to know part of the ways we take on the the armor of God and the helmet of salvation is we embrace the power of salvation. I'll tell you, I'm convinced. I am. I'm sold on it. I'm convinced. I get the intellect side as well. I've done the study side, but I also get the experiential side where God does really cool things in our lives. It's just so exciting. The second thing I would encourage you to do is to commit to the necessity Commit to the necessity of salvation. What I mean by that is, let me read a few verses for you really quick. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And then the last verse, Luke 21.33 says, Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will remain forever. Now let me talk about this com- that we that we're committed to the necessity of salvation. There's a lot of messages that we hear out there in the world. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people that have different ideas about God and how to get to God and all the all the different things that come down and come through the different avenues of communication that we hear. The Bible says That the only way to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That that is it. That Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to heaven except through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what the Bible says. That's it. And the Bible also says if we're waiting for a new story, (laughs) heaven and earth will pass away, but his words are going to remain forever. And so it's actually really great news Because the great news is God desires a personal relationship with everybody. God desires to reach people. God desires for people to have a salvation experience. But the necessity of salvation says that there's not another plan, there's not another avenue that works better for other people or something like that. The necessity of salvation, what I think God and the Apostle Paul would like us to own in our lives is, you know what, the people that we love, the people that we care about, The people that are our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, and and, and hear this, we don't do this in a mean spirit or an arrogant spirit or a pushy spirit at all, but those people that we care so much about, they need Christ's salvation in their lives. It's necessary. It's necessary, it's available, and it's so, so important. So commit to the necessity of salvation. The next one is that we would walk in the confidence of salvation that we'd walk in the confidence of salvation. Everybody say the word confidence. What a great word. Romans 8.37 says, No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loved us. Confidence. Not arrogance of salvation, but confidence of salvation. When you study the the early Roman Empire and the Roman soldiers, a very obvious truth comes out. That's no surprise. But when... When a soldier, a Roman soldier, had a really a really great helmet to wear, when they walked into the battle, they walked into battle with great confidence. They had great confidence because they had a great helmet. And I just want us to know, and one of the ways we take on the helmet of salvation, it's kind of a teaching point here, is that we understand that our salvation's not fragile. That it's not a roller coaster. That it's not here one day and gone tomorrow. That, you know, if we're hammering a nail and we hit our thumb and say a bad word, we didn't lose our salvation right? What should we do? Say, Jesus, forgive me for saying that bad word. But we don't need to get saved all over again, okay? It's not, it's not fragile. It's not up and down. It's very secure when we stay close to Jesus Christ, okay? And that we walk in that confidence. Now, we could turn away. We can walk away. Absolutely, we can run and go a different direction. But that's, that's a decision that people make to turn from God. For those of us that say, God is. I want God as the center of my life, You need to walk in the confidence of your salvation. That says, I have the armor of God in my life, and it's not my power. I'm not arrogant or confident in myself. It's what God can do in and through me because He is amazing, because He is so great. The last takeaway I would give you is this that we would accept the urgency of the salvation message. That we would accept the urgency of the salvation message. 2 Corinthians 6, another book of the Bible that the Apostle Paul wrote in verse 2. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The Apostle Paul is kind of introducing us, coaching us, in this idea that in this whole plan of salvation, there's an urgency factor that we've got to hold on to. That it's not a one day down the road, I hope it happens. But there's there's an urgency side that the people that we really care about, the people that we really love, the people that that matter to us, that there's an urgency. And and, And the Scripture says that there is a time of God's favor where people become Christians and accept salvation. And then he says in that verse, today is that day, now is that time, and so he introduces this urgency that not only is it a necessity, but there's a limited amount of time. Now again, we don't communicate that in a pushy or in an arrogant or a mean way or anything like that. But we're, we're communicating God's incredible gift of salvation, his incredible gift of grace and mercy to people that need to hear it. And, it, and that there needs to be an urgency factor to that. It's so important. I could summarize these four takeaways And this last takeaway by saying this, for two weeks leading up to the series, I I tend to ask myself questions as I'm working on a message. And and the question I was asking myself, it may sound simple to you, it is a simple question. It's this, why is the helmet of salvation so important? Why so urgent? Why so important? Why, Why is it so urgent? And my answer for you is this, we strip away all the other stuff there's a lot of other things we can talk about i think god would want us to be reminded of something he would want us to be reminded of this here's the reason you know why it's so important you know why it's so urgent is this because there really is a heaven and there really is a hell and people really do go to heaven and people really do go to hell that's what scripture says that's the reason that's what we saw in the video testimony. Steve's life was changed by God's amazing love. Eternity is that important. And so that, that is that, that message of urgency that we, that we grab onto. Early on in the message, I, I shared with you some experiences that I had in, in elementary grades of playing football. and I played it in junior high as well and played offense like I mentioned to you and, we were in a game, and, and defense was on the field, and so I wasn't playing. And one of the defense, defense, defensive players got hurt on our team. My coach turned to me and said, Darren, I want you to go in the game and play this. So I grabbed a helmet, ran into the game, ran towards the line of scrimmage to play in that play, put the helmet on my head, and realized I didn't take my helmet. I took one of my teammates' helmets. And if you've ever worn somebody else's football helmet, they look a lot alike on the outside. But if you've ever worn somebody else's helmet, it just doesn't fit right. It's either too big and it pinches you or it's too loose and it's very dangerous to wear a helmet that's too loose. It was too late because I was already out in the field. And I'm just reminded of it, of this truth. That you have to have your own helmet of salvation. It's got to be yours. You've got to have your own helmet of salvation. You can't wear moms or dads. You can't wear your brother or your sister or your best friend's. You can't wear a certain church style as your helmet of salvation. It has to be personal. It has to be yours. It has to fit right where God designed it for you and it came out of an experience, an encounter that you had with Jesus Christ. Then it is a personal helmet that is right, that fits, that, that you will experience God's incredible love in the journey as we live for him. One more verse, Philippians chapter 2, and verse 12. Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but also now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue to work out your salvation. Your salvation. It's personal. Your salvation with fear and trembling. There's that kind of urgency part again. Just real significance. So we heard Steve's amazing testimony in that video, watching that. It was just great to hear, great to watch. Let me give you the 60-second version of my salvation testimony, of my salvation story. I was late in my teen years and my parents basically prayed me into going on a retreat. And I went on the retreat and I was in an evening service with about half this size of crowd. And I listened to the speaker communicate, similar to what I'm doing here this weekend. And at the end of the message, like I will do at the end of this message, the speaker gave an opportunity. He said, anybody that would like to co- fully commit their lives to Christ and fully surrender and say, Jesus Christ, I want you to be my personal, my Lord and Savior, I invite you to, to raise your hand. A bunch of people raised their hand. A bunch of people stood up. I was not one of them. Just, I just sat there. Later on that night, I kind of broke away from the group. I went up into the chapel. I didn't spend much time in a chapel And all the thoughts of what I had heard were just stirring through my mind and stirring through my heart. And I prayed this prayer. I prayed, God, I don't know how to do all of this, but please forgive me of my sin. I give you my life. I want to live for you for the rest of my life. That's my salvation story. What's yours? What's yours? What's your moment? What's your story? where you've got your own helmet that you've put on. And it's personal, and it means something to you, and it's significant. And it's life-giving, and it's awesome, and it's amazing, and you'll never forget it because it changed your life. And you get to experience God's joy, mercy, grace, significance, and it's so, so special. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for being such a great God. Thank you for teaching us so much. Thank you for reminding us through the Apostle Paul of the helmet of salvation. God, thank you that everyone that's in our services this weekend, everyone that's here right now, you love us with an incredible love and you desire a personal relationship with everybody here. God, we saw a great video testimony. We've read other great experiences of how you've changed so many lives through your amazing love and forgiveness. And so, Lord, we want to respond to you today. And church, in this private moment, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you the opportunity, the same opportunity somebody gave me a number of years ago. And if you're here today and you walked into church and you know and God knows you're disconnected from him, You're not fully surrendered. You're not all in that, you know, maybe you once were and you've fallen away. Maybe you've even done the church thing for a while. You've kicked the tires. You've looked at it. You're interested in it. But you've kind of kept it at all arm's length and you've never fully said, God, I I know I'm in sin. I know I need your forgiveness. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be with you. And I want you as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to leave today knowing that I'm right with God. Not in fear, but out of excitement to be in relationship with Him. And you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I want in. I I want today to be part of my salvation story. I want today to be part of the time where I began to wear my salvation helmet and it fit right. And before I leave today, I just, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want to fully surrender my life to Christ. I know I need His forgiveness in my life. And I want to make that decision today. And it's the best decision you can make. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here, you'd say, Pastor, include me in that prayer. I want want to do that. I want to fully surrender my life to God. If that's you, I want you to just boldly raise your hand really high right now all across the room and just keep it up. Just raise it high and keep it up all around the room. There's hands everywhere. In every section. Wow. All over the Just keep it up for me, would you? This isn't to embarrass you. I just want to acknowledge you. Just that your boldness says, God, I'm in. I, I want this. I, I want to fully surrender my life to Christ. Keep it up in Jesus' name. I agree with you. You can keep raising them. I agree with you. I agree with you. Your decision. No pressure. Just you're responding to God's amazing love. I want in. I want in. I want this in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Amen. You can put your hands down. Can I invite everybody to stand with me, please? I promise I won't keep you more than another minute or two. We're about to pray a prayer that's really significant. And I always invite the church family to pray this along with the many, many hands that were raised. And um, so many people said, this is the decision I want to make today. For those of you that raised your hand, I, I am so happy for you. I so think you made a great decision. I, just, I don't want to underestimate it at all for the sake of time. I just want you to know it is so significant. It is life-changing. I really mean that. So we're going to pray a prayer. It's simple, but it's so meaningful. And I'm going to ask you everyone to repeat this after me as we support one another. Let's close our eyes. Jesus, I come to you please forgive me of my sin. I surrender my life to you. I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior. I desire to live for you for the rest of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Jesus, I love you. Jesus' name. Amen.